we designed a, a three-step approach that not only made cloud migration a self-funding project, it was going to return about $5 million back to the company in around three years. You don't have to talk about data lakes and, and mastering the data. Talk to them about their immediate view. Growing skills gap, increasing cyber threats, supply chain disruption. Do these sound familiar? It's a tough industry to be in, and we're here to help. I'm your host, Caroline. And I'm your host, Doug. And you're listening to AWS Industrial Insights, the podcast for manufacturing and industrial business leaders who aren't afraid to think big. We interview executives from well-known companies to share their disruptive ideas on topics like leadership, technology, and innovation. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on AWS Industrial Insights. Uh, today, I'm joined by our very special co-host, Douglas Bellin. He's been with us for several episodes, but today, Doug is joining us as the official co-host of the show. He's been providing so many great insights, so we're super excited to have him. Welcome, Doug. Caroline, thanks for having me. Really excited to be the co-host with you on this and looking forward to today and future episodes as we go forward. Absolutely. And today we also have a special guest, John Ripley. John, can you introduce yourself and share where you're from and what you do in your role? Sure. Hi, everyone. This is John Ripley. I'm the IT Director for the Cloud and Advanced Technologies at Saffron Cabin. So Saffron Group is uh, the number three aerospace company worldwide. It's about 125 years old and has about 76,000 employees and I work in the cabin division which deals with the airline interiors it's number one worldwide for uh, cabin interiors and we have about 400 airlines as our customers fantastic well thank you so much for joining us today and for our listeners I had a prep call with John prior to this recording and the story he was telling about his approach to helping IT engage with OT together for the cloud. It's, it's just such an interesting story, and I'm really, really excited to kind of help dive into his approach and um, see if that's replicable for anybody that's listening today. So today what we're going to be talking about is the fact that manufacturers are generally pretty disengaged from IT. Um, you know, most of the time they're only focused really on supply chain, inventory levels, and other operationally focused tasks. And to be honest, you know, this is something I've, as a host of this show, really noticed with a lot of our speakers throughout the past eight episodes or so. And it, to me, it kind of seems like competing priorities where I've seen IT really cares about securing the data and the OT and operational side really cares about, you know, keeping the machines running. So I'm really curious to understand today, John, you know, have you experienced this in your current position? And if so... How has it so far affected your ability to keep your IT systems up to date? Yes, I've been in the manufacturing uh, space for about uh, 21 years. And I would say that by definition, uh, manufacturing centers on things that you can see and you can touch and feel. So when it comes to profitability, Mm -hmm. The conversation is always going to be about physical things, manufacturing lines, machines themselves, inventory. Mm -hmm. And even when you want to talk about technology, it's easier to talk to them about technology, again, that they can touch and that they can see. So robotics, 3D printing, 
or additive manufacturing, those are technologies that they can wrap them, their mind around because they can see and touch them. But cloud computing, well, that's um, very difficult for them to really make a, a centerpiece of their strategy. Okay. It's not something that they can see or that they can touch. And that's, I think, a big mistake because, you know, so many uh, studies point out that in the manufacturing space, uh, like so many other industries, the next big wave in productivity and profitability centers on data. It's all about the data. And if you can't harness your data and you can't apply things like uh, uh, AI and ML to your data, you are going to lose out to your competitor who is able to harness their data. Data drives the next evolution in productivity, not only in how you make things, but also what you make. Uh, so you really need to be able to, to oh. deal with those other concepts. Everything today is moving towards connectivity. Um, an airplane uh, is no exception. Airplane engines uh, generate around 20 terabytes. Yeah. I would hope an airplane yeah. is the most so, connected for sure. You know, when you're, when you're <laughs> landing and you're trying to get your connection uh, for your cell phone to let everybody know that, that you're there and you've landed safely, well, there's a, a, a huge amount of data that's also trying to get out. Airplane engines, like I said, they, they generate about 20 terabytes of data per hour. Well, that's just one system. Every other system on that plane mm. has collected data and is trying to process data and deliver that data out. So, um, so again, it's all about mastering the data. And that's not something that you can see uh, or touch, mm -hmm. but that's something that you need to master it. And there is no better way to master that than to get that data as soon as possible into the cloud. So cloud computing, whether executives, manufacturing executives know it or not, that is going to be the centerpiece of their strategy, not only for how they make things, but uh, what they make. So, John, that's a lot of data per asset. And if you think about that, you probably have hundreds of those assets that are running out there. And now you have operations people, you have IT people, and they're looking at different aspects. So first, what do you do with all of that data? And then second, how do you find the actionable insights that that data is trying to tell you? Um, so if IT systems are, again, IT is gonna think in a much broader sense than OT is, right? OT is gonna talk about the machines in front of them, right? And keeping those machines running whether or not they're connected or not, uh, you know, and, and what level of connection that they have. IT is going to deal with the information infrastructure, right? They're going to deal with the, the bridges and the tunnels, right? They're, they're infrastructure people. If the infrastructure is running well, then I find that they are neglected, right? You don't, you don't miss electricity until it's gone. You don't miss your IT staff until it's gone, point. right? So uh, they're going to be invisible. They're not considered by the C-suite to be the, the cause of the problem in manufacturing. That's going to be supply chain, especially now, right, with interrupted supply chains. It's going to be inventory levels. It's going to be getting consistent quality on the floor. They're not the solution and they're not the problem to their immediate issues that they have. What we're talking about is kind of leapfrogging today and thinking about 
you know, the next three to five years and say, where do you want to be? And do you realize that if you got away from the day-to-day focus and you decided that data was important to you, do you realize how ML could help you with your supply chain? Do you realize how ML could help you with uh, your inventory levels, with accounts receivable, getting money in, even on the the quality side, uh, instead of having more quality inspectors, having something like uh, Amazon Lookout for Vision, right? So it's leapfrogging the day-to-day to, to, to really look at the broader picture and say, the tools that we have are inadequate today. We need smarter tools to help us. What I find in manufacturing is it all comes down to the individual. Well, we need a better quality guy. We need a better supply chain guy. I'm thinking you need a better tool than just the guy. Yeah, you you bring up a really good point, and it's, you know, time and time again, I've understood that IT and OT really have different priorities. Um, But I also think that when it comes to the cloud, both, not to call them sides, but both parts of the company probably think about it really differently. You know, I've heard that um, a lot of times the operational side sees data and sees IT as a risk to shutting down operations or coming in to patch something with software and potentially affecting the equipment. Um, can you help me kind of understand within your organization how your operational side cares about the cloud, who doesn't and why? Um, just to kind of help our listeners understand, you know, where we're coming from, whether they can relate to this situation. Sure. Well, I, I, I would agree that, you know, IT and OT, they, they do have different priorities. Uh, you know, you can see that when they diagram solutions, right? So IT would be very specific on things like, you know, the configuration of the servers and the networking and so forth. But when it gets down to the actual solution and, for instance, the, the machine on the production floor that they're going to be act, interacting with, the data set and so forth, it gets very vague. OT is, is the mirror of that, right? So they're going to be very specific about the machine and the data set and the use case. And then the network, whether it's on-prem or, in, or on the Internet, is just some big blob on the diagram. I don't know how it gets there, and I don't know what you do with it once you have it. Mm-hmm. So uh, they do kind of talk at cross ends, right? So um, but that, that can be fixed by educating, you know, both sides so that they can begin to, to interact you know, in in the middle. As far as, you know, I would say within the organization, again, most of the executives, it's on their radar. Um, and, you know, IT really isn't on their radar at all. And that's true, even if they talk about things like IoT or robotics. Again, they're they're more comfortable talking to OT than they will be about talking to IT. In some organizations, you never even see the CEO. Mm-hmm. never will even address the, the IT staff. It's just off their radar if the systems, if the infrastructure is running well. Mm-hmm. So their focus is on the physical. Um, with other parts of the organization, they think in very different terminology. So when you think about supply chain or accounting or HR and so forth, they their understanding of the cloud is really more tacked onto SaaS. Right. Mm. So as consumers, even at home, right, we know the power of 
the cloud because we know the power of SaaS. We've known that for over a decade, whether it's a website or now it's an app on our device, right? So when you ask department heads what they want in terms of the solution, they prefer SaaS versus whatever IT was creating, you know, 10 years ago. They don't want those applications. They want SaaS solutions. But what they don't realize is that the cloud delivers something better than SaaS because the cloud allows you uh, to deliver function as a service. And you no longer are waiting around for some software vendor out there to think about your work the way you do. Your IT department can go into AWS, connect microservices, connect functions to deliver custom software that works the way you do and solves your problem today. You're not Mm. waiting on some startup to think about your problem the way you do. Mm. And that solution that your IT department can deliver in AWS today will have everything you need and nothing that you don't. That's incredible. Actually, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, it totally frees you from, from, from really relying on vendors to solve your problems. Now, ironically, to some degree, you might think uh, that with IT, there would be the greatest understanding about the cloud, but that's not even the case also. Uh, Cloud computing really represents many new concepts, and they're not... There there is no analogy to the on-prem world for a lot of those concepts, DevOps and, uh, you know, infrastructure as code and so forth, a completely software-defined environment. So there can be some degrees of hesitancy even within the IT organization because they don't understand that world, and it can be difficult to know where to start. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, you know, it really sounds like, this has been trial and error for you. You've kind of figured out the right approach. And I think that our listeners are probably dying to understand like where you even got started within your organization. Like how did you even start this conversation about the cloud? It's you've communicated the values, but can you kind of walk us through your approach or your step one that you took when you realized that the cloud provided these opportunities as in your role, where did you get started? Okay, so uh, that's, you know, it's really super easy. You you ask for permission to save money. It's really very difficult, no matter how limited in vision some may be. <laughs> they all value the dollar, right? So if you start there, mm-hmm. and, and there's plenty of, you know, analysts will tell you, hey, don't go to the cloud to save money. That That's not the reason. I understand that. But in a manufacturing sense, if you can't start there, then you can't start, right? So what we did within uh, Mm. Saffron Cabin is we designed a a three-step approach that not only made cloud migration a self-funding project, it was going to return about $5 million back to the company in around three years, right? So a self-funding project means I don't want you to increase your budget or allocate extra dollars for an eventual payoff. I want you to use the existing dollars. So you can do this, and the beauty of that is you can do Mm -hmm. it anywhere in your budget cycle, right? Because you're going to use existing dollars. You're not asking for something more. 
So that's the conversation at the top of the company. Mm. You don't expect them to see the wider value of the proposition at first. You have a secret that they'll you'll eventually let them into, right? You know why you want the cloud, mm. but you have to deal with their immediate concerns. So you don't need to talk about machine learning at the beginning. Mm. You don't have to talk about data lakes and, and mastering the data. Talk to them about their immediate view. Now, within IT, the conversation is going to be a little different uh, because they are aware of some of the benefits of the cloud, but what's going to really encourage them to get excited is speed, right? So you talk to early adopters within your IT mm -hmm. team about no longer having to wait for CapEx approvals. Talk to them about going from concept to pilot in one week. Talk about removing some of the drudgery surrounding ops and using cloud computing to finally solve things that never seem to get solved on-prem. Uh, change management, configuration drift, asset management, patching, and getting tools to automate a lot of that so that they can do far more interesting work. Now you have both audiences engaged. You're talking to the top of your organization about saving money. You're talking to your IT teams about freeing them to do more interesting things. So, John, you just described actually a pretty cool process, which was First, you didn't ask for funding. You used what was there and it became self-funding. But then second, you started working not just with the IT department, but the operations department. How did you quantify that and bring that to bear for your users out there and ensure success as you go forward? Okay, well, let me, uh, let me, I think the best way is really to describe what that three-step process is, and then you'll begin to see uh, midway through where, where the money is today, okay? So we designed a three-step process, which is, first of all, data migration, secondly, VM rationalization, and then third, transformation. So data migration, we found, is the easiest way to get started, right? So think about your data center, right? It's the center of gravity. Data is what creates a data center, right? You need to get that data into the cloud. So we started with file servers and, you know, in a manufacturing environment, you have typically have very large engineering vaults, especially when you're doing, you know, 3D renderings on an A380 or something like that, right? So we moved about 400 terabytes rather quickly from the data centers and in the process, we were able to decommission about 18 SANS. That saved us several million dollars alone just on storage and backup. Typically in a data center, backup is going to be your most extensive megabyte. So if you can rehome or place your data someplace cheaper, the backup will follow. Those backup dollars will begin to shrink. The real beauty of data migration is that it can be completely seamless. We didn't even tell our users that we had moved their data, right? You have a local cache on site. You redirect your clients using Microsoft DFS. No one knows that you've done the backhaul and you've moved that data to AWS. You can use a number of caches like uh, from AWS, like Storage Gateway or Amazon FSx or Windows, for third-party solutions, personally, we like Nisuni, there's Satera, there's others, but we prefer Nisuni. That's step one. You can begin saving money on storage and backup and begin to decommission your expensive SANS today. 
The other two steps is VM rationalization and, and then transformation. So again, I use an analogy uh, with my teams, and that is when you move to a new residence, there's two important things you want to keep in mind. First, you want to time things so you're not spending money on your old place and your new place at the same time. And secondly, when you move, you look carefully at what you're moving because you don't want to move junk. It's just too much effort. So if we take those two parts of the analogy separately, first of all, never pay rent on two places at the same time, right? So what we do is when we get started with that data migration, we immediately, if you have good asset management policies in place, you know where your equipment is and you know when maintenance is coming up, you immediately turn off the spigot on hardware maintenance. Do not pay hardware maintenance if you're moving. That's like paying rent on your old place and the new place at the same time. So we're not going to pay for on-prem and cloud at the same time. Uh, that's a large part of how you make the project self-funding. Those maintenance dollars are already baked into your budget. We redirected that money for whatever project money we needed to get started. And secondly, don't move junk. So virtual servers are great because they're so cheap to light up, right? So any department, any manager can ask for a new VM, and most people didn't think twice when they lit them up. So you could often squeeze a new VM onto a server without ever asking for CapEx. Never had to ask for a new server. There was always room for one more VM. Over the last decade, that led to VM sprawl in many data centers, ours included. You had multiple file servers, multiple domain controls, multiple print servers, multiple application VMs that were seldom used or are now used by only one or two people. If you move all of that to the cloud, you're going to waste a lot of money. So what do you do when you move to a new home? You usually have a garage sale. You're trying to get rid of all your junk. So look for the junk. Use the move as a way to discard the excess. You can use the AWS pricing calculator very effectively. When you talk about a VM on-prem, it's very hard to go to the business and say, this application that only two managers are using, this is what it costs us. When you talk about the pricing calculator, you can show them exactly what it's going to cost them if we have to move this app. You now have the leverage that you need to shut things down. At Saffron Cabin, our goal, and we're pretty close to it now, is a decom rate of 75%. We're going to be shutting off three out of every four VMs that we created back in 2019. That's a huge amount of things. Holy cow. What is, yeah, what does that mean for cost savings? Well, it does two. That's insane. It does two things right away. It helps you with your, again, your maintenance dollars are going way down, both on the hardware and the software side, by the way, because your licensing, I can't tell you how pleased our SAM manager is because our licensing has shrunk as well. But you also have reduced project scope and because you're moving less to the cloud and you are reducing your long-term operations. What we end up moving to the cloud, not only are we going to automate it, we're going to run it as code because now it's not in a physical data center, it's in a software-defined one. Not only are we reducing 
uh, our ops through automation, we're reducing the scale and the size of that enterprise. It is now much smaller in the cloud. And then, of course, the last step that we do is, is transformation. We look at the choices that were made on-prem, and we make sure that we're making better choices when we move them to the cloud. So some of that is you know, cloud formation, making sure that we create the infrastructure and we run it as as code, and we have a DevOps team created to do that. But there can be other things, like do you really need Microsoft SQL Server? Okay, that was what was on-prem, but can you use... I don't know, something like Babelfish and completely hide the fact that it's not, the application is no longer talking to SQL Server. You're having it talk to, to Postgres or something else. Can you use RDS to relieve the pressure on your DBAs? Do you need a whole VM or can you use something like Fargate and put it into a container? Do you need Microsoft Windows or can you use Linux just as effectively? These things have a tremendous way of wringing out excess waste in terms of licenses you don't need, uh, duplicates you don't need, applications you don't need. And I think going forward, you have a much, not only is it a one-time shrink of your infrastructure, but you are putting it in a place where everything because it's pay-as-you-go, everything is exposed. On-prem, almost nothing was. It's just another VM, and you dealt with the infrastructure budget as a whole. I just need more. I need more servers, more storage. In the cloud, everything is – there's metrics with everything, and you know exactly who is consuming what. And you can develop strategies that are very targeted to make sure you're running late. Sounds like I need to take that at heart and either have a garage sale or downsize my house one of these days. <laughs> well, I'm in, Cal I'm in say, California. I think I needed this advice when I moved. Yeah, I'm in California. <laughs> so you're never moving to a bigger place. <laughs> to keep up with the economy in California, <laughs> you're going smaller. Before you know it, I'm going to be in a cardboard box somewhere out in Santa Monica because, it, you know, it's getting expensive out here. So you're always going smaller and saying, yeah. what do I really need? Yeah. And you know what I think is really the most powerful thing about what you've done, John, is really the fact that you understood that your peers and your colleagues wouldn't understand the vision that you were looking at and that you needed to prove that it worked before you could really get buy in. And I think that's really powerful is kind of understanding that you bring this big vision, but you really have to secure these small wins to show that it's working in order to get that buy in and support. I mean, in this case, if it's self-funding, you don't really need the buy-in, but can you talk a little bit about, you know, what was the reaction of your colleagues as you've, you know, been successful in this with your approach? And, you know, can you talk a little bit like how, were they surprised? Were they excited? Like, I'd love to know what their feedback was. Um, well, I, I think, you know, you couldn't have asked for better timing. Right. So if you think about uh, we started in 2019 and um, and I would totally recommend you always start with education first. So we started with our data migration. We mm -hmm. turned off our maintenance dollars. We turned off the spigot. Right. So we could have some money to work with. And we started immediately on our certifications. Right. So that we, we knew what to do and we wouldn't eat up those dollars by having somebody else do them for it for us, right? So we wanted to save money. But if you then think about 2020 and 2021, right, we're in aerospace, 
right? And um, some areas of aerospace, like uh, even in, in Saffron, like defense, uh, the engine side, you know, no problem uh, because those things uh, bounce through, you know, pretty well. But we were in cabins, so aircraft interiors, everything was put on hold. Right. You couldn't don't don't ever waste a crisis, though. Right. So, again, uh, there's no point to talk about blue sky stuff when it's cloudy overhead. Right. So if if you're talking about orders being slashed, nobody is flying. Right. And then you want to you want to talk about AIML and, and the future and possibilities. There's no, there's really no point, right? So what we're doing is that yeah. that couldn't have come in, in better time. But actually, of course, in an organization, saving money is always a good, to sa- good day to save money. But if you start there, right, mm-hmm. and you use you use it as an opportunity to slim down, right? A lot of organizations don't have good application lifecycle management. They have a problem with VM scroll, mm. right? But then they suddenly decide in their cloud migration that their key, uh, their key KPI is going to be how fast they move to the cloud. Well, that's like a move that you have to execute in two hours, right? You're gonna, the moving band's going to come up and you're going to throw everything in, right? So if that's your KPI, mm-hmm. you're going to move a bunch of junk and you're going to end up costing mm. more. If you can uh, think about it in terms of how can I d- do this all over again? If I had to create a new data center, how can I make it better? You have every uh-huh. everything is that in AWS is at your hands to make it more secure, to make it stronger, to make it more automated, to make it more responsive, uh, to make uh, high availability. I mean, everything is there to make it the, the data center of your dreams uh, coming from a sysops perspective. So, uh-huh. but you do the have data to data center educated. of your dreams. I love that. <laughs> that's that's fantastic, and. You know, there's a lot of points we can take away from this today. And I'm sure that, you know, we have some industrial leaders who are listening to this podcast and are like, yes, this is, this makes complete sense. I need to do this. So can you, can you kind of talk about what they should start doing differently right now? Like what's this first step that they can take? Okay. So I'm going to take the word leader and say it's, it's anybody who's got the vision and that's not always the person with the title. Okay. So I don't care if you're just, Mm -hmm. um, uh, a systems admin, uh, whether you're a manager, director, a VP, a CIO, it doesn't matter. Okay? Look, everyone would love to be in an organization that has a clear cloud computing vision from top to bottom. And you have a CEO on the stage at reInvent saying, hey, we're all in, right? And I'm going to make it happen. That's fantastic. It's in the minority, right? Uh-huh. In the absence of that, be the leader. Be an agent of change yourself. Saving money is not the only reason to go to the cloud. It's not even the foremost reason, but that's how you get started. It can be a self-funding project that can deliver significant savings back to your operating costs if you do it right. If you think about it like a move, decide which assets to dump and use those hardware maintenance dollars on something that matters. Don't give it back to the equipment manufacturers. 
Secondly, invest Mm -hmm. in the staff Mm -hmm. and lead by example. Don't expect someone else to migrate for you. You will consume all the dollars that you wanted to save. The cloud represents a very different way to work, and it dramatically changes the value proposition of what your career will be in IT. That is, your career is not something, your understanding of your career, where your career is going and what you're really going to do for the company is not something you want to outsource to somebody else. Your hand needs to be on the wheel. Do it yourself. AWS will give you all the help that you need. That's certainly what we have found. At the same time, as you kick off your data migration, take yourself and your early adopters on your team, get AWS certified. Use online tools like Udemy or Pluralsight. Get the certification. No one can transfer the knowledge to you. This is a new way to think. Drive the campaign, the education campaign early, and you will make fewer mistakes And if you do need uh, assistance or you do need consultants to come in or AWS professional services, it will be a narrow scope with something specifically that you need help migrating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from your company's perspective, has this ignited change throughout your company beyond where you are in Cabin? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, it has really transformed Saffron Group as as a whole, I would say. Now we do have, uh, from the very top, uh, we have a CIO uh, for the group who has a cloud-first strategy. Um, we have a new uh, CIO. He has a cloud-first strategy. We have a coordinating, an excellent, talented coordinating group at the top of the organization now that is uh, creating landing zones and and working on AWS organizations and is uh, hoping to replicate our success and guide the other branches uh, throughout uh, Saffron Group uh, to uh, adopt. We've chosen AWS really as our sole provider for IAS and platform as a service so that we can uh, concentrate our knowledge and share everything from cloud formation scripts to, to just the knowledge on, on how to go about things so that we can advance as fast as possible. We have an internal uh, Yammer channel uh, on Microsoft 365 where we're sharing our uh, success and the experiments that we're running and our methodologies so that all the other uh, branches can uh, copy that success, replicate that success. Like I said, we've saved uh, $5 million in just three years. If you spread that across the dozen or so other branches or tier one companies, as they're called, in Saffron Group, you're talking about tens of millions of dollars just for the migration, a net plus for the migration. You wow. haven't even gotten into the real magic. The real magic is the data, what you can do with the data, how it can change the production floor, and what you can do with AIML. That will change everything about how we make things and what we make. Thank you for tuning in to AWS Industrial Insights. If you want to learn more about today's episode, head over to the blog for a list of featured resources on this topic. You can also find today's blog in the episode description and also on our website at aws.amazon.com industrial podcast.